Welcome to Equestrian Movement's First Do No Harm podcast. I'm your host, Katie Boniface, co-founder of Equestrian Movement with Sarah Gallagher. We work with horse riders who want to build a stronger bond and a deeper connection with their horses. In our First Do No Harm podcast, we discuss with other industry professionals how to work with horses to firstly do no harm and secondly support their mental, emotional and physical well-being throughout the training process so that we have horses that enjoy learning and ask to be ridden. Each episode, we discuss the different influences our training can have and how we can improve our horses' overall athleticism, soundness of mind and body, and emotional fortitude, while strengthening and deepening our relationship with our horses. Each week, I will endeavor to bring to you a new episode on horse riding, training, handling and husbandry for an interview with other industry professionals to help you address where and why you might get stuck in creating the beautiful union of dancing souls that is the equestrian sport. Are you ready to kick off today's show? Let's get started. Hey team, Katie here from Equestrian Movement and today I want to talk about whether your horse respects you or not. So this one is particularly loaded (laughs) conversation. We all know how much I like to have these loaded conversations. Uh, So I'm going to start off with saying that there's a lot of, you know, chatter in the horse world around this topic, particularly around, um, you know, what functions the horses have with regards to the areas of the brain and what um, functions those areas of the brain perform. So with regard to uh, this part, like this aspect of what the horse's brain is like, what they have and how it works, the only person that I really follow on that is Dr. Steve Peters because he is a neuroscientist and he actively dissects brains and horses' brains as well and he has been studying this before it was cool. So he is the... I believe the leading person in the industry to be talking about brains, horse brains, neuroscience, what they can do and what they can't do. At the end of the day, there is no way of us truly knowing what that horse experience is. And I'm sure that we're going to learn more and more about it as the science gets better and the technology gets better. I know um, that there's some things happening with MRI imaging with potentially being able to hook horses up to that. And even that in itself is up to the interpretation of the person analyzing the imaging. So there's no real way of us to like, you know, 100% confidently confirm that we understand the horse experience. And we also like don't even know how to describe uh, our own human experience half the time. So the whole thing really is open to interpretation. The way that I work with the horses is if, you know, we're working on a particular behavior, that behavior is given a label. And so the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to identify if that label has underlying uh, neurotransmitter or hormonal or, you know, some kind of biological response that it is identifiable in their blood work and whatnot that, um, you know, that that label makes sense on a biological function. So an example of that would be, you know, like, 
a flight response. We know that there's like a release of cortisol and they have a biological response to that fear that we can track and we mark. We also aren't actively tracking, you know, those um, biological markers in the moment to say, yes, yeah, so 100%, that was our horse's flight response. We can see the cortisol peak, like all of these things happened. It is still our interpretation of us reading our horse's behavioral experience and, you know, just kind of cross-referencing what we can be assuming is happening at the same time. Another uh, aspect is for example like frustration you know frustration is a biological response to not getting task achievement not getting that dopamine hit and uh, there's receptors for the dopamine that get blocked when they don't have that task achievement which corresponds with frustration behaviors and escalates to more anger and aggression in some horses and then also you know even things like jealousy we can track jealousy as a biological response it is a very complicated one that we don't understand very well in humans yet but because there's like you know multiple hormones that are being released at the same time to create like a different experience and then it can be uh, jealousy within a horse horse Uh, experience so relational or it can be jealousy with regard to you know uh, possession and there are different kinds of jealousies with slightly different uh, neurotransmitter experiences and whatnot and we don't even understand that fully in the human experience where this gets (laughs) challenging as equestrians is the conversation between anthropomorphizing that we don't want to anthropomorphize their behavior however we do want to empathize with their behavior so if I think that there's a biological internal environmental uh, response that's happening that is in alignment with the behavior that we're seeing and is an emotional response to an environmental trigger, then we're looking at emotional agility skills and how we can support the horse through that experience. An example of where uh, this is not the case is, for example, when we say that our horse is being stubborn. So if you look at neurotransmitters or hormones or things like that, that um, there isn't uh, anything that you can measure in response to stubbornness. And so in my interpretation, that is a label. It's a label of word that humans have created to describe something that they're experiencing. So when we find this, then I'll go, all right, well, what does the research say around kids with this label? So you know, what if a, ch- a child is stubborn, what's the research around that? And so, for example, going into stubbornness, uh, children that exhibit particularly stubborn behaviors tend to make good leaders in the future. So really what that stubborn behavior is, is like the confidence and the security in themselves to stand by their choices and their decisions. Uh, So they're less of kind of like a people pleaser and more of a like, no, this is this is my choice. (laughs) So that makes them good leaders and it makes them more confident and secure. 
So being able to kind of like tease apart whether we're labeling a particular constitutional type or personality type or, you know, just uh, a level of security in themselves, those kinds of things versus like an internal reaction is also challenging because we have no way of like measuring those biomarkers in the moment and saying oh yes like my horse's frustration behaviors are definitely frustration because I can see it in the blood work etc and that's not how it goes so we're still you know projecting um what we're experiencing their behavior as which is going to be how we perceive it it's up to the interpretation of us and our perception of what the horse is doing And so that's what I I think is really challenging as equestrians is that, you know, one person can perceive it one way and how you deal with it one way based on how they've conditioned and how they experience their world versus somebody else who's going to experience or perceive it differently. And so respect is one of those things is that, um, you know, we all have a different perception of what respect is. I grew up with the idea of respect being, especially working with horses, is respect being as you tell them to do something, they do as they're told. So that can be seen as like the horse isn't doing what I'm telling it to do, therefore um, it's disrespecting me and therefore it needs to be punished and then we're punishing uh, behaviors that we perceive as disrespectful and then we're basically taught that anytime our horse is saying no it's disrespectful and then we're punishing our horse for all of their nose even if their nose are legitimate so like pain uncomfortable um not knowing what the answer is, trying but not giving us the effort that we're looking for. There's so many reasons for our horse to say no, that isn't just work evasion and that is legitimate, that just punishing our horse and saying that them saying no is disrespectful really limits how good we are as horse women and horse handlers and horse men. We really need to have more of the scope in our training and our skills to recognize that there are reasons for our horse to say no other than them being disrespectful. So I feel that this perception of respect isn't truly what respect is or respect means. Like for me, respect is treating others how you want to be treated. It's that act of reciprocity And so if we're modeling to our horses that they have said no, and so we're going to punish them with, uh, you know, physical punishment, like, like smacking them or hitting them or, you know, something like that, that we can be taught to do because we've got a naughty horse and we need to punish them for being naughty and for saying no, then what we're actually doing is we're modeling to them the behavior that we see as socially acceptable to engage in with them. And I don't know about you guys, but <laughs> you know when horses reciprocate this modeled behavior, it's not enjoyable or desirable like they bite a lot harder they kick a lot harder they do way more damage to me than I will ever 
do to them. And so for me, what we're looking for is like leading by example and we're looking at modeling how we would like our horse to engage with us. So the idea of respect to me is not a power over submission base. I have told you to do something, so you have to do it. Respect to me is about the fair exchange. It's about treating others as they would like to be treated. It's about how we engage in this uh, social engagement, in this social engagement environment that allows us to mutually benefit each other to work together towards our goals as a team. And Angel, one of the school horses in particular, has been really good at teaching me this over the last six months, well, probably longer, two years, let's face it. They're always teaching us stuff, so she's probably teaching it to me from the beginning and I just wasn't getting it. She's probably banging her head against the wall <laughs> the last two years waiting for me to figure this one out. But, you know, when I'm working with her at the moment – uh, we have been through this like dynamic of negotiating terms of how she's going to work. So she is one of our foundation school horses that starts all of our beginners and she is very tense and uncomfortable with new people. And so one of the first exercises that I do with her and a new student is I get them to stand with her and um, imagine you know, the first thing I do is get them to kind of bring their arm underneath her into like a gentle cuddle and to smell her and like to breathe her into their lungs and into their heart and to smell and breathe her into their heart and find a little space in their heart that Angel fits into and to um, then like experience breathing her into their heart and so that gets her to soften and relax and engage in the lesson a lot quicker and a lot better and then the other thing that we're doing is like the periods of trot where she's having to trot and carry an unbalanced rider and so we're in um negotiation terms on that so if they're very like at the very beginning, they have barely done any trots, then uh, she's allowed to do, you know, two to three steps and stop. So that's her communicating to me, this rider is unbalanced, it's uncomfortable for me to carry them. And so at the halt, then we're practicing the student's balance and their position of their legs so that she's not having to continue trotting while the student is working on the wiring process so sending the signals to the muscle and the muscle conditioning phase and so over time what happens is the rider gets stronger and more balanced and so she sustains the trot for longer and then she's going to kind of stop now and then because she doesn't want to work so she doesn't really want to have to put that much effort in she doesn't want to keep trotting and so the way that we work with the treats is if you know, if the rider hasn't lost their balance, she doesn't really have a reason to stop, then I'm just asking for like, what is a decent effort to carry the trot and carry this rider? And normally it's about half a circle to a circle. Like if she's sustaining a whole circle, I know that that rider is getting pretty good and is ready to go off the lunge. If she's sustaining half a circle, then I know that the rider is going quite well and we're ready to start trying to let go of the saddle. And then you can see like if the rider loses its balance and hits her back hard with their seat and like her back legs kind of give out a little bit, then 
she's going to stop altogether and I'm okay with that as well. And so what happens is like I reward her for those efforts, you know, maybe I might want her to trot for longer but that's not up to me I need to accept what she's comfortable with because she's doing all the work of carrying the rider I'm only telling the rider what to do and so what has started happening is that when I stop and I give her a treat for the bit of trot that she gave me willingly she's actually started licking my hand back and You know, we can say that this is anthropomorphizing, but you can see in her body language that she is genuinely thankful and grateful for that exchange. Her ears prick up, her um, face lights up, her eyes are like light and engaged and, you know, she gives me eye contact and she's actively engaging with me and we're having this conversation about what this fair exchange looks like. A little bit of effort to keep the trot for a balanced rider gets you a treat. And then again, we do swaps and, you know, she's very comfortably now negotiating her terms of work with me and I'm really comfortably getting what I need from her to, uh, you know, work with these students where it's of mutual gain and benefit to both of us. And so that's what we're looking for here. That's what I see as respect is like, I'm respecting her to set appropriate boundaries with me for what I can expect of her and she is, you know, reciprocating with that effort. And so we're in this mutual agreement and this exchange of I'm going to, you know, manage your muscles and make sure your body feels good and you feel safe and that you're rewarded for your effort and engage with you this way. And, you know, you're just going to give me a little bit of work so that we can have these students learning how to be good horse people. So for me, when we talk about, you know, the horse is not having a prefrontal cortex and a frontal They do have a frontal lobe, but for me talking about this idea that the horse's brain doesn't have the capacity for respect, I don't think the problem is the horse is not understanding respect, but that humans don't understand respect. I think horses understand respect and reciprocity better than humans. I think horses who are allowed to live a more natural lifestyle have better and more developed social engagement behavior skills than humans do. I think humans often misconstrue respect for submission. Respect is treating others how you want to be treated, whereas the fair exchange. So if you use positive punishment to demand respect, you are modeling how you behave in relationship with that horse. That affects how they can be in relationship with you and it triggers an internal biological response from hormones, neurotransmitters in the nervous system. So while, you know, we can't expect the horse to pull the dictionary out and describe to you their definition of respect, I think humans can learn a lot from how horses engage socially and respectfully when we put our agenda aside and focus on the relationship first. Another example that we have of this is, um, you know, we've been really intently watching the herd dynamics lately because when the horses were out over the school holidays, one of um, 
the the pony that I had as Fiddy's paddock mate Zodi, he uh, really kind of banded with the two retired school horses that were quite aged, and I think that that worked really well in that relationship dynamic for all of them because they're quite old, so they were probably happy to have a younger horse you know, look after them and care for them and protect them and stand guard. And he was pretty stoked to have his own little band. Like he's at that age, that maturity of going through that process of wanting to kind of like run a herd himself. And so putting him in with Fiddy, Fiddy, um, you know, <laughs> copped a right flogging from him when we came back from the holidays because Fiddy's not necessarily one to let somebody else lead he naturally constitutionally is in that protector role but he's also gotten you know a little bit older so all that fight has gone out of him so you know for you guys that have the horses that don't really like being told what to do that fifth 14 to 17 age bracket is when the fight kind of goes out of them a little bit uh with just with being older and so he was letting um zodi really hammer into him and so what I ended up doing, because one of our other school horses wasn't integrating into the school herd, well, I put him in with Fiddy and now they're best buds. They love on each other all day. And Zodi got put out into the herd and he was, you know, bullying them quite a bit. And he was chasing them around and biting them and fighting with them quite a bit. And so what happened is like they kind of banded together to ostracize him a little bit they were um, chasing him away they were pushing him off their food and when he approached them more like air quotes respectfully then he was allowed on the food and he wasn't getting chased away so Zodi actually does have very good social behaviors he's just gone through this like maturing process where he was I don't know, like, oh, we hate these words, right? But he was air quotes trying to be the boss. Like he was trying to lead the herd and he was picking fights with everybody. And so um, he kind of, what Monique described it as is like the herds coming into um, that big Power Ranger mode where they all like band together into one big Power Ranger. (laughs) So she said that they kind of like come together in this like swarm to kind of chase him out so it's like the power of the band of horses to say hey this uh, this behavior isn't appropriate like it's not socially acceptable you can go away from us until you're ready to approach us in air quotes a more respectful way and this is you know what's taught in natural horsemanship right is like join up is chasing the horse away from you until they face into you and then allowing them to approach you that way and so whilst it kind of mimics this herd behavior of sending a horse away that isn't like engaging in a socially acceptable way the problem with join up is that there's no way for them to actually get away from you and horse and humans aren't very good at reading it so we end up you know, forcing horses that actually are showing good socially acceptable behaviors to us into um, like 
fright and spooking them and making them reactive and scared to try and force this more submissive state from them when really like the the disrespectful entity in that moment is actually the human for chasing the horse even though the horse is potentially you know showing good social engagement behaviors so we're ending up like trying to condition these horses into what we think is appropriate behaviors and social and how we would like them to engage with us in in relationship without understanding ourselves you know what a healthy relationship with our horse looks like it certainly doesn't look like chasing our horse around a round yard until like and making them scared and giving them no way to run away from us that doesn't mean that i never lunge a horse in a round yard it just means that we have to be respectful of the situation that we're putting them in and how you know their nervous system and their body and their internal environment is responding to that stress in training we are the environmental stress and our horse is triggered by us their internal environment is triggered by how we work with them what we do with them and how we ask them to do things and when we put the pressure on and when we take the pressure off most like entry-level equestrians beginner to intermediate equestrians are not very good at getting their timing well with that to communicate well the social engagement and appropriate behaviors so for me respect is a label like stubbornness that is a human created word with a dictionary definition that the horse isn't like having an internal biological response to give and I also think that we would learn well from the horses to understand what they do in her dynamics that shows being respectful in a social engagement scenario. If you're loving what you're listening to on the podcast, you might be starting to recognize that trying to control your horse through submission-based training is the worst way to ask your horse to look after you. If you're working with or riding horses, you know how unpredictable and sometimes scary they can be. Unfortunately, most struggling horse riders make the mistake of thinking they can physically control their 400 plus kilo fur babies by moving their feet or spooking them into responding with flags and join up. Without giving your horse a reason to care about you and look after you, you will most likely end up with a horse that is disconnected at best, shut down or explosive at worst because they can't communicate their needs with you, especially if you are already scared, worried or nervous handling your horse. That's why we've created our new free online training experience, building a connection with your horse. This is how I've gone about creating safe horses for beginners, no matter the breed or previous handling experiences. If you want to learn the secret source behind developing safe horses that care about you and look after you without trauma triggering training methods, register for our new training today at www.equestriummovement.com forward slash connection and I will uncover the three big mistakes you might be making if you're trying to build a relationship with your horse and how you can start building your horse's trust and confidence in you as a leader worth following.